You're listening to the It's Her Time podcast with Cody and Jess. Welcome back to today's show. You girls are going to love this episode. It's so much fun. And honestly, I think it's going to be so fun because a lot of the questions that I asked our guest today came from you. So I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Dr. Alyssa Dweck. She's a gynecologist from New York City, and she's the co-author of three books. And today we're going to talk about the complete A to Z about your V. That's her one of her books, and she is going to answer everything we've ever wanted to know some questions that I never even thought of. Um, she's going to talk about it with us today, and I love it because this conversation is fun. It's interesting. It's it's fascinating, honestly. So I can't wait for you girls to hear the rest of this uh, this episode and get to know her just a little bit more. But before we get into this episode, let's go join Jess for a Mixers Girl Say. On today's Mixers Girl Say, we're actually going to go into our social media and pull out a question box. We love digging into what our consumers and followers and friends are saying on social media. So we asked the question uh, to the women on our Instagram, random out of the norm habits that add to your life. Love love it. it. Do you have any random habits that add to your life? Random Oh, maybe these will help. This is gonna make me too. Because I'm like, I don't know that I feel like like, they're random. I'm like, maybe everything I do is random. Maybe Maybe. that could be the case for me too. Um, okay, gratitude journal. Oh, love it. I do that too. Apple cider vinegar baths, so great for skin and for pH balance. This is true. Good tip, especially um, women that are dealing with a lot of like rashes or things like dandruff. Mm. Very effective. Mm, I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Starbucks on Fridays before works. Sorry. Starbucks <laughs> on Fridays before work. Something to look forward to. I love oh, that. That's fun. I yeah. love creating little traditions even with yourself. Yeah. It's fun to just have those things to look forward to, to treat yourself it's to. It's like a ritual. A ritual. Like that's, it's a, a, I was yes. it's like a habit. I wouldn't think of it as a like habit, but it's like a ritual. That she, much more fun. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I listen to podcasts in Spanish while I'm oh. in the shower to try and stay bilingual. Hola, como estas? That's all the Spanish I know. <laughs> that was great, Cody. Thanks. Um, I open all the blinds and curtains every single morning for mm. natural light. I love doing that too. Uh, it's a big one for me too. It feels so refreshing. I feel so much like gratitude when I open my window and feel like the world is out there. The sun is shining. I know winter's a, a little day. different when it's dark. I know. And you wake up when it's dark. But Still important to do though. Mm-hmm. I'm going to encourage you girls to have that be part of your habit because getting that sunlight in is great. Also, if you can, just open up those windows, even though it might be freezing, you know, it's still good mm-hmm. just for a few seconds to get all that good fresh air in there. Um, another woman wrote, I call a different family member every day on my morning commute. I That's a great love idea. love that. Yeah. I might steal that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I take a bath every single night before bed. It's my favorite way to decompress. Yes. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's a great way to decompress. The heat of the water, if you can add a little Epsom salt that mm-hmm. gives you that magnesium, it really can just help get you into that little state of like, you're just ready for that good restorative restful sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so good for you too. So great for your stress system. Yeah, that's a great one. Agreed. Uh, did you think of anything that is a random habit of yours? Um, 
I, you know, I, I feel like the audience is like, I know, Cody, you do this. You talk about <laughs> this all the time. And I don't know that it's random, but it's a big game changer for me. And it's it's meditating. Mm-hmm. It's I, I look forward to meditating every single day. It's something that um, I can tell when I skip it. Um, but, you know, I'm just not, I'm not present in my day and I'm not showing up the best that I can. Mm-hmm. And so meditation is very important for me. Um just on a spiritual level, but also just on a mental and physical level too. So is that random? I don't know no, that that's random. No, it's not random. And actually, I should tell you this. It was one of my New Year's goals to um, start every single morning. Um, a, prayer. B, moment, like quiet moments. So I've been setting, because I, you know me, I'm like, I I kind of blame everything on like, no, I just, my mind can't. And I'm uh-huh. like, that, no, that's not the truth. My mind can it meditate can. and be calm and all the things. So for New Year's, you actually inspired me. Aww. I have been, I know that this is like super basic, but I wake up, I pray, and then I set my timer for five minutes and I make sure that I lay and think through my day, think through affirmations. I let my mind just like be calm, mm-hmm. try to think of nothing, even though that is a challenge of mine. But and it's impossible. Am, you can't just not think of yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, but I'm loving it. I love it. So anyway, Aww. Cody inspired. I'm so glad. And it takes practice. Like I, I talk about this too. But when I first started meditation, I was, I was just like you. I thought, can't do that. My brain just can't turn off. And and we're the it, ones that need it the most. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. The ones that are having like so much, in, you know, internal dialogue mm-hmm. and chatter going on all the time. It's so important for us, so beneficial to us to practice quieting the mind. Um, and when you, I say quiet the mind, and I'm not going to go, not going to go into a whole episode now on meditation, but that doesn't mean turn off your thoughts because that's not even possible. What it is is being aware of your thoughts and then um, letting those thoughts go, and mm-hmm. then clearing the mind again, and just kind of becoming more of a witness or an observer of your thoughts instead of letting the thoughts just like rule your body in the way that your body responds to the thoughts and things like that. It's just keeping a state of calm even as the thoughts arise. And Mm -hmm. and the more you do it, the better it becomes, the more natural you feel at it. And it becomes like something you look forward to doing every single day. Absolutely. Well, let's get into the episode. Mixers is a company made for women by women. Each of our products have been carefully and lovingly crafted to support you in all stages of your life, providing you with the optimal health you deserve. Each ingredient we handpick is 100% all natural, backed by science and chosen specifically to better your life physically, mentally, and hormonally. Each product empowers your body to take charge of its monthly hormonal shift and flows, empowering you to live life to the fullest. Let mixers take care of your needs from sunup to sundown, and you take care of the rest. Check us out at mixers.com, M-I-X-H-E-R-S. Dr. Dweck, I'm so excited about this conversation. I know you and I, before we start started this recording, we've been having some fun talking about how it's so important for us to just have these kinds of conversations, especially as women. I feel like there's just been, for far too long, just not enough talk about it. And we have to be careful about things. I know I was just talking about how, well, you were saying that you've been uh, censored a little bit using just anatomical, you know, language as if it's like you're swearing up a storm, like a sailor, 
And I've been um, censored, you know, talking about even things like menopause on Facebook and things like that, which I just think is silly. So with that being said, women, whoever is listening, men too, we actually have listeners. So I, 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 I'm sorry, men. I always forget to, you know, call you out too, but um, I just know that today we are going to be talking all about our unique female anatomy. And I love Alyssa, Dr. Alyssa Dweck. She is real. She's obviously an expert in this field. She knows her stuff. And so this is going to be fun because I have some things I'm going to ask, but I thought it was great too, because I put it out there to our audience and they sent in some really great questions, Dr. Dweck. So Um, can't wait. I know it's going to be fun. I know you're, you're good at this. You're used to it. You do it all day, every day. So all right. But first of all, let's have you introduce yourself. I introduced sure. you a little bit, but tell us a little bit about you and, and why you love this whole you know world. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, I'm an OBGYN by training. I've been in this field for almost 30 years, which is a little frightening to say, of course. <laughs> I started when I was five, right? Yes, right. Uh, uh, number two, I just love speaking to the masses about this subject matter. I'm not afraid to say that I speak the language of vagina, okay? So, and it's perfectly fine to use that term, which is the proper term uh, that I don't think we need to euphemize. Uh, I was so interested in getting the word out to anyone and everyone who wanted to hear about the subject matter that I've written a couple of books, the last one being called The Complete A to Z for Your V. And I think you know what V stands for. Uh, I'm also the chief medical officer at Bonafide Health, which is a wonderful company that provides natural solutions to natural issues that many of us women face, particularly in the menopause space. So um, I'm really excited to uh, to speak about that. And uh, personally, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a runner. Uh, I love sports cars and uh, English bulldogs. So you've got my, uh, my whole history all in a nutshell there. Well, you've just established that you are the expert that we need to be having this conversation with. And you're just so real and so fun, like I said. And I just, I loved reading excerpts of your book. And I just thought, I really want to buy this for every woman in my life, right? And and I love that you also are, you know, you are in the field, but you are passionate about educating and and providing services and products and things like that that can really support women's overall health. So this is going to be fun. Um, first of all, I think that what we should do in the beginning of this conversation is just to talk a little bit about anatomy because it's been surprising to me as I talk to so many women about they're very confused about what everything is called. I mean, we call them our lady bits and we call them our hoo-hahs. We, you know, we have all these funny, cute little nicknames, um, for down there, but can you just tell us exactly, like, I know you're saying A to Z about the V and we're talking about vagina, but I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that we think that everything down there is considered the vagina. Can you just give us a little nutshell? Absolutely. And and you couldn't be more correct about that. In fact, even in my practice, patients come in and say, I'm having a little issue down there. So we definitely have to elaborate on that a little bit. So, you know, the vagina, which is what everybody seems to just uh, colloquially call the entire area, is really just the canal where babies come out of, where menstruation comes out of, and, um, you know, which can provide a lot of sexual pleasure as well. Number two would be the vulva. The vulva is essentially everything on the outside. So I'm speaking about the labia. So you have the labia majora, which are the larger outer lips uh, of the genital area, the labia minora. We have the clitoris, which isn't just a teeny little 
pea-sized button that okay. people think that it might be, but it actually extends quite a bit. Recently, uh, has been noted to have 10,000 nerve endings instead of the 8,000 we used to think. So wow. this is an extraordinarily sensitive uh, organ and really there mostly for, for pleasure. Uh, and this extends into the labia and possibly into the vagina. We have the mons, which is the fatty piece of uh, tissue that covers the pubic bone for protection. Mm -hmm. And um, also the uh, perineum, which is the distance of tissue in between the vaginal opening and the anal opening. So the vulva is pretty all-encompassing. And I would be remiss not to mention the urethra and the periurethra, which are the areas where we urinate from uh, external yeah. So, good. Nutshell. Okay. That's the well, nutshell version. That was the nutshell. And now we know, now we know, because I think that it's good for us to understand. And I yeah. love the kind of little tidbits. I, it's actually, you're kind of getting ahead of us a little bit because it's fun. One of the questions was about our clitoris, but we'll get to that in just a second. Cause I think that it's going to be fun for these girls. I'm, I'm looking at my phone because I've got all of their questions on here. But one of yeah. the things I do as we're talking about kind of the anatomy of our vulva, our vagina, of all of that down there, um, is to know that not every vagina is the same, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's funny that you ask, and I'm glad you did, particularly for our younger listeners, because you know now these days with hair removal being pretty popular mm -hmm. and people seeing pictures of what vulvas and vaginas look like online or whatnot much more clearly than we used to in past, people always wonder what's normal. Do I look normal down there? And this is an age old question that I find I have to provide reassurance about all the time. There is actually an amazing art installation that was done. That's like a plaster of Paris, huge installation of a hundred vulvas. And you can see through these, uh, you know, uh, basically molds that yeah. no two vulvas look the same. Uh, so I think it's really uh, should be reassuring that not everybody looks the same. We have just like we have different eye color and hair color and whatnot. We have different shapes and, uh, you know, um, characteristics of our vulvas. Yeah, we should appreciate the uniqueness. Like it's a, it's another unique part of us. I know I was just recently at a favorite things party and the conversation came up. I was, I've never heard, I've been living under a rock. I don't know where I've been, but I guess this isn't my world very much. But um, I was surprised at how many of the women that were in the room said that they had gone and had reconstruction of surgery yes. down there. And I was like, Okay, why why yeah. would that be? First of all, is it something that's necessary? Is it something that's recommended? Is it, you know, why what yeah. are the benefits? What are the, you know, cons to that? So the most commonly requested procedure to be done is a reduction in the labia minora. These are the inner lips uh, of the uh, vulva. And there are medical indications for providing this type of surgery, but they really need to be thought about very, very carefully because surgery, of course, is serious and there always can be risks. So for example, there will be some people who are congenitally born with labia minora that are very unequal in size, very asymmetric. And this can cause not only physical discomfort, but also emotional distress. So in these cases, we've occasionally, or more than occasionally, will consider surgical repair. Number two, there are some people who are just born with or have a propensity towards excess skin in the area of the labia minora. 
that can lead to physical distress, like chafing, mm-hmm. like constant infections in the skin, like discomfort with sexual activity or inability to use a tampon. So these can be reasons that we would intervene surgically. But um, a good portion of a consultation for something of this nature is education. Because once again, unless these types of symptoms or the asymmetry that somebody is born with are present, surgery is usually not necessary. And we really try to talk people out of it because there's always a risk of infection or bleeding or pain afterwards or the you know, a cosmetic uh, issue that somebody may not like what it looks like after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of education that needs to be around it, but it's good to know that it's not just something that's done for cosmetics, that there there is actually some reasons for it. And that makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm a cyclist. I can tell you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You can get some chafing down there. (laughs) And there, you know, so I should preface this by saying that there are plenty of people who do want to have these procedures done for purely cosmetic reason. Okay. And that's an individual decision, both from that individual, but also Mm -hmm. from a healthcare practitioner or surgeon. So it it requires a pretty good conversation. There's also a lot of other cosmetic procedures that people are looking for, Mm -hmm. like, you know, clitoral hood reduction, like reduction of the labia minora, like, uh, you know, changing the size of the vagina vaginal opening. So this is a, a fairly complex uh, topic, but the labia minoroplasty is something that people do come in and ask me about quite frequently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, that's why I bring this up because these are maybe yeah. some questions that you would never think to talk to your gynecologist about. And maybe you've never even wondered about or even knew this is something that was an option for you, but it's something that yeah. you definitely can talk to some, you know, a gynecologist like Dr. Dweck and feel comfortable in knowing that they're going to help guide you, for direct sure. you, give you the education yeah. that you need. So you can make a gynecologist yeah. is definitely the place to be. One last thing, you did bring up cycling. I do see a lot of people who have excess uh, chafing and whatnot from continuous cycling or long distance cycling. So, you know, of course, wearing a really good padded short or using a uh, chamois butter or some sort of silicone lubricant to prevent chafing during excessive cycling is helpful. Good to know. Good to know. And I've put all of those to use. <laughs> so, so that's great to know. Okay. Well, this is good. Is there anything else that you're like, it's really good for us to know, you know, before we get into some of the questions from our audience? No, I think we just we covered, covered a really important topic. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably one of the things that, you know, as, as a woman, sometimes you're just like, I don't know. And when you're at a doctor's office and they're like, do you have any questions? I'm like, I don't even know what to ask. So I don't know. So hopefully this is helpful for for you ladies that are listening. Okay, let's get into these questions. Girls, some of them are like some that I've never even heard of. So I was like, wow, okay, this is great. I'm going to be learning a lot today too. This is great. Um, Now you have talked already about the clitoris. And um, so this was a question that came in. It says, when it comes to the clitoris, um, is there more than what meets the eye? And it sounds like you've already answered that question. But yes, if you want to expand on that just a little bit more, you're Feel free. I would love to. So the clitoris is super special because what we believe right now is that the only reason that it exists is for female pleasure or pleasure for the owner of that clitoris. So I think that is uh, really pretty exceptional. Yeah. Uh, There is definitely uh, more to it than meets the eye. So the clitoris is really made up of erectile tissue similar to the penis. So that it engorges with blood and becomes much more sensitive and engorged and bigger with sexual arousal. The clitoris is covered by uh, some protective tissue called the clitoral hood. 
and that tissue retracts when the clitoris becomes engorged. Mm-hmm. Number two, the clitoris itself actually extends. It has what we call legs or prurae in the uh, medical verbiage that extend down the labia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's really much bigger than meets the eye. It almost looks like a wishbone, if you will. Okay. There are also likely extensions of these this pleasurable tissue inside the vagina on the upper wall. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some who even believe that the G-spot is an extension of the clitoris. So lots of mysterious mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, nuances here, but uh, a, a really an exceptional, uh, an exceptional organ. Again, newer thinking is that there are 10,000 uh, nerve endings in this teeny little spot. And uh, I think that's important to note. That's what makes it so sensitive. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool to understand. And, you know, I think it's important for women because, you know, unfortunately, I think it's kind of a normal way of thinking that, um, that women aren't built to necessarily enjoy sex, which I think is, no. why do people think that? Of course, women are supposed to enjoy sex, but just know that the clitoris is specifically there to provide pleasure. And I mean, there's so much that we're learning more about. It's not just that, but it's so great. How wonderful. And so it's good for us to be able to learn more about it and understand how it works in our body and for us personally. So thank you for that. I appreciate that education. Okay. Um, all right. This was a question that says, is it possible for the vagina to stretch out permanently? I feel like since, uh, I feel like mine has really changed since having babies. And especially now that I'm menopausal, should I be doing anything to improve things down there? Now that was more than a couple of questions, but anything yeah. you can expand on, on that. So the answer simply is yes. The vagina and vulva go through changes with age and with wear and tear, which includes uh, having children, which includes any surgical uh, procedures, which includes hormonal changes, including menopause, and also includes, um, you know, day-to-day wear and tear, like cycling, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there certainly are changes that occur with menopause, and it's a little bit of a dichotomy because through menopause, when estrogen levels start to decline, what we typically see are changes to the vaginal tissue where the tissue becomes much more delicate. It has less natural folds. It, you know, gets less blood supply. And this is just due to less estrogen. Mm. By the same token, having children, especially big children vaginally, or having an instrumented delivery like a forceps or vacuum delivery, uh, or just carrying big babies Mm -hmm. can definitely put some strain and wear and tear on the pelvic floor muscles uh, and the vagina itself, which can cause some, uh, you know, gaping changes, if you will, and some weakness of the muscular tissue. Right. So ways to help to prevent this, but also to manage it would be to use exercises, just like we weight training for the rest of our bodies. There are specific exercises that can help with the pelvic floor. These are called Kegel exercises, K-E-G-E-L, and I'm guessing many of your audience members have heard of these. They can be done on their own, just while washing dishes, while watching right TV. Now, where while we're listening really to this podcast, start muscle. doing them. Yeah. Yeah. And that can help with sexual function. It can help with maybe some of the feeling of that uh, looseness, and it can also help with uh, urinary flow and even moving your bowels. Um some people need those exercises in a little bit more of a uh, exaggerated way. So you can use um, some sort of pelvic weights, vaginal weights, or devices that help with 
using biofeedback to let you know whether you are doing these exercises properly and whether they're working. And then third, and this has become a really flourishing field, there are pelvic floor physical therapists that specialize in this particular uh, regimen. And women are finding these uh, exercises and uh, consultations to be incredibly helpful. These can be done in person. And there are even some platforms online that facilitate. So I would recommend any and all as uh, ways to help strengthen the pelvic floor. Yeah, great, great, great suggestions. We've actually had a pelvic floor therapist on our show. We've had also a woman who like pelvic floor therapy changed everything. Her whole, you know, recovery after postpartum, her next pregnancy, you know, all of these things, it it made a big difference. But it wasn't around when I was having babies, you know, 30 years ago. But um, but it's it's so good to know that it's out there and and like you said. It's not something that we need to be embarrassed about seeking after. Um, and if we are, you know, embarrassed about seeking something like this in person, then it's good to know that, you know, with the beauty of technology, there's things that we can yeah. you know, do online that's in our privacy of our own homes and things like that. But, you know, the purpose of this conversation is just to give women the, um, the tools, you know, the knowledge that these tools exist really. So, so that's great. Good, good, good. Okay. Let's go on. This is fun. Um, got to get to the next <laughs> question here. Oh, okay. This is one. I- I mean, I've never wondered about it. I guess I'm not, I know. Okay. Sorry. Let me just say the question and then you, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Okay. Their question is, do women have their own version of blue balls? Wow. I know. Okay. I can honestly say I have not been asked that before, (laughs) but basically, you know, blue balls is a engorgement of blood uh, that, you know, men can experience if they have not ejaculated or if there's a right. build when they're aroused, right? Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have to imagine why wouldn't there be a similar uh, incidence for uh, women where there's either pelvic congestion in the vessels inside the pelvis or in the vulva and vagina. And uh, so I would have to say yes. Yeah. I'm not sure there's any medical literature that I can, you know, quickly Point pull to. up to uh, discuss, but it would make sense. So, yeah. you know, certainly there are ways to relieve this. You can consider having sex. You mm-hmm. can consider having sex solo on your own. You can use uh, a device to help with that if necessary, just to release that sexual tension. Mm-hmm. So if you're the person that sent this question in, there's probably a reason why you're asking it. And so, and there's no dumb questions. We've got to ask the questions yeah. and there's probably a reason that, you know, you could find out the, re- and it makes sense exactly what you're saying. I mean, I guess we could call them pink balls or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll have a new term for it. Maybe <laughs> we'll do some research on it and see if we can find any more information. I will make for note, you. there is yeah. one medical diagnosis that comes to mind. And I'm wondering yeah. if this person might be asking about that, which is okay. called PGAD or persistent genital arousal disorder. Okay. And this is actually a very distressing situation for yeah. the people that experience it, where they constantly feel like they are aroused. Mm. And it's very difficult to release that feeling, even with stimulation to orgasms. So if that's what this question was intended to address, then I would suggest uh, checking in with either your gynecologist or a uh, sexual health specialist, because there are other ways to manage that. Can you repeat what that's called and that can maybe of help? Of course. Yeah. We, uh, the abbreviation is PGAD, P-G-A-D, okay. Persistent Genital Arousal Disorder. Amazing. Amazing. Look how helpful you are. Thank you. That is very helpful. Yeah. And so, yeah, something, you know, we learn every new, something new we learn every day. Okay. 
Um, let's see, what are some things we should do and shouldn't do after sex? This is a, a very common question, and I think it's based on individual issues. So, for example, many of my patients will uh, have issues with uh, urinary tract infections or vaginal infections that seem to be related to sexual activity. So naturally, we recommend urinating after sex in an effort to mechanically cleanse the urethra from any bacteria that may have, you know, temporarily landed uh, close to the urethra during intercourse. That may help to cut down on the risk of urinary tract infection. Similarly, uh, for people who are prone to bacterial infections, BV or bacterial vaginosis that have to do with sex because they are associated with each other, uh, especially for people who have multiple partners, we recommend condom use. Mm -hmm. And we also recommend uh, consideration of a probiotic. Uh, and this is a probiotic taken um, specifically towards feminine health. Not necessarily your gut probiotic, but right. something that's specifically formulated for genital health. And actually, Bonafide makes a probiotic that's been clinically studied. It's called Claire V. Mm -hmm. It's taken for 15 days of each month uh, for as many months as you feel you need it. But most of my patients take it regularly. And this has been shown in clinical studies to help cut down on the risk of recurrent bacterial infections, whether they're related to sexual activity or not. Uh, other, um, you know, uh, practices are really based on an individual need. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're not having any issues with infections after, uh, sex, then these measures don't necessarily need to be taken. Um, so I think those are the two things that really come to mind. Yeah. Really helpful. And, you know, it's important for us to understand that just like it's important to take care of our gut health and, it, and to have a healthy gut, it's about having a balanced microbiome. The same thing is yes. with our, it, it's our like, how would I say this? It's like our another mouth. It's another place where, you know, it's really important for us to have, um, bacterial balance that is healthy. And so, yes, if you are struggling with that, exactly like Dr. Dweck was saying, there's a lot that can be done proactively with some nutritional therapy. All right. But there's also other things like you just mentioned, there's things that, that can help to balance that um, better. So I think that's something that's so great to know about. Okay. Um, can having an organ, oh, sorry. No, I, please. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just no, want to make one more point because no. I really think your point about a balanced microbiome is something that we're really trying to educate people about. So in general, the vagina has a unique pH in the acidic range. This is where we're happy. We don't have symptoms of discharge or odor or itching or irritation when the pH is in that acidic range. And this is due to a balanced amount of good bacteria called lactobacilli in various strains, depending on various associations and other bacteria that live naturally in harmony in the vagina. And when there are things that disrupt this biome or disrupt the pH, that's when we start to have infections or symptoms that are distressing. Uh, sex is one of those disruptors. Mm. So are, you know, fragrant products, douching, yes. hormonal changes, menstruation. So there are antibiotics, the list goes on and on. So I think your point of a balanced microbiome is something to really just keep in mind. 
Yeah. And I think it's important to know what it is that could be disrupting it. Cause I think so many times uh, we are conscious of like, we want to make sure everything just smells so wonderful down there and you know, everything's great. And so we start putting things that don't belong down there thinking that we're helping the situation, but we're actually creating like a whole cascade of negative, you know, symptoms that are coming down the road for us mm-hmm. if we keep doing that. So I'm not somebody that ever recommends that you douche or anything like that. Um, if you, any, if you are going to use something down there, it's okay. There are some things. In fact, we just formulated um, a a body wash that's after intimacy kind of a wash. It's not something that I expect people to have to use every single day, but it's going to be better than just soap. It's something that can actually help balance the pH in your vagina. It's going to also, you know, not mess with the the microbiome balance. So, so yeah. So there's things that you just want to not, you know, you don't want to use down there. Mm-hmm. One other thing that comes up in my practice all the time, the actual vagina, the canal, the inside does not need to be cleansed. Right. That has natural mechanisms through this natural microbiome to clean itself. But the vulva absolutely uh, you know, needs TLC. Uh, some people can use any product and have no problem. So I want to make that clear. Okay. But others who are sensitive or prone to infection or prone to symptoms do need to uh, be mindful of these things. Douching is something that we actually don't really recommend in the world of gynecology, but again, everybody's mm-hmm. got their own uh, practices. Sure. You bet. But you know, it's good to know that um, it's a self-cleaning machine and it's, yes. you know, we don't really need to help with that very much, but just every day, just, you know, body care, you know, just keeping our bodies clean. That's important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we don't need to go much further than that. So great. Thank you so much. Okay. The question I was going to ask before, here we go. It was, can having an orgasm actually relieve PMS cramps? Yes, it yeah. can. So, you know, this is a, a now a, a, a let out of the jar secret uh, <laughs> that I'm glad people are learning. Um, absolutely. So this, this happens on multiple levels. Number one, um, having an orgasm releases chemicals in the brain that are kind of natural painkillers, mm-hmm. uh, endorphins that are feel-good chemicals, and dopamine, which is like a big reward chemical. So in that sense, it can help to relieve pain. Number two, the uh, blood flow that occurs towards the uterus uh, during sexual arousal and orgasm uh, may help with uh, with discomfort. And um, also uh, a heating pad. We mm-hmm. often recommend a heating pad because of uh, the increased blood flow that it can cause superficially. So similarly, increased blood flow during sexual activity and orgasm can assist with cramps. Yeah. It's good to know. Cause I know there's a lot of women out there that suffer with debilitating cramps. That's why yeah. we created her time to help women, not just for cramps, but all of the other symptoms that go along with hormone imbalance, but cramps yeah. in particular can, you know, really hold you back from living your best yeah. life. And so, so yeah, it's just good to know that it's not sex. Isn't something you necessarily need to avoid while you're having your period. It might not be something you might not be somebody that's ever wanting to have sex during that time of the month. And that's totally fine too. But if it's something that you're open to, just know that there are some benefits, um, especially yeah. when it comes to helping relieve your cramping. So great. They also the uterine contractions that occurred during orgasm helped to push out blood, push out blood clots. So mm. that may help with cramps as well. Love it. I love it. That's great. That was a good question. Okay. Um, I know that vaginal discharge can change, but what I don't know is how to tell if the changes in my discharge are perfectly normal. Yeah. So, you know, that's a good question because there's always a difference. You know, most people do have a natural physiologic 
leukorrhea, fancy word for vaginal discharge. Mm-hmm. Most people with vaginas are accustomed to what they secrete and it may change during the cycle. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're a menstruating person, you're going to have less discharge right before, uh, you know, right after your period up until you ovulate. Mm-hmm. And then with ovulation, you'll get a more copious discharge. And then right before uh, menstruation comes, uh, discharge may change a little bit. Things to keep in mind are if there's a foul odor to discharge, Mm -hmm. if there's bloody discharge, if it's changed color, like it's green or yellow, and that's not usual for Mm you, uh, or if it's more notable than usual, or there's a lot of itching or irritation. These are things that may suggest that this is not a normal physiologic discharge, but something that may need to be addressed. Okay. So go and make an appointment with your gynecologist and get things checked out because it's not something you want to mess around with. Um, our body is amazing. It gives us so many signs. It's, it communicates us, with us in so many ways. And discharge, we have actually talked about it on this episode. If you want to go back to one of our previous episodes, we have talked about mm-hmm. how to decipher between what the different colors of discharge could be telling you about your body. Um, so there's a lot to learn there, but go to your trusted gynecologist and she's going to be able to help, you know, test and make sure that everything is okay down there. Cause we don't, we don't want to mess around, like I said. So, okay. These were some really great questions. Um, I'm not going to ask any more of these questions because I just know that you talk to women all day, every day. And I'm curious to know what are some of the best questions that women have come to you asking and and you think is so important for all women to know? Is there some that come to your mind? Wow. Uh, I think that the broadest and most common question I get is, is this normal? Yeah. Whether it has to do with menstrual habits whether it has to do with uh, sexual activity, whether it has to do with many of the items that your listeners have brought up as questions. And I get a lot of questions about perimenopause, the years leading up to when your period is going to stop for 12 consecutive months and menopause. So I guess the most common would be uh, sexual activity questions and also uh, perimenopausal questions uh, since my practice is aging with me. So uh, those are the most common questions I I get. Okay. Well, yeah. do you mind diving into a little bit about some of those things? Um, I know this yeah. is something that all of us are interested in knowing whether we're in that phase or stage of our life. It's good for us to yeah. know, you know, more about it. Absolutely. So I get asked a lot about hot flashes. Mm-hmm. Hot flashes are kind of the iconic symptom of the hormone estrogen declining due to perimenopause and menopause. Just to differentiate these two, perimenopause are the years leading up to menopause, average time about four years, but it can take eight or 10 years. Number two would be menopause, specifically defined as 12 consecutive months without your period for no other reason. Okay. And uh, so I get asked a lot about hot flashes. What's normal? How many will I get? Will I get them? How debilitating will they be? And the, the answer is, It's difficult to know, but we do know there's a genetic component to this. So whatever experience your mom had, yours may be similar. Number two, we know there's an ethnic difference when it comes to hot flashes. So for example, uh, African-American women tend to have more severe and longer duration hot flashes than uh, their Caucasian counterparts. Uh, We also know that smoking has a lot to do with your experience with hot flashes. So smokers have a worse experience, more severe hot flashes than non-smokers. So those are things that we speak about in office. There are lifestyle changes that can be made to help with that. And there are uh, questions that I get about 
whether hormones are essential or are there alternatives to hormone use. And so this is a conversation that I have find myself having with patients many, many times every day. And uh, there are herbal supplements. There are pharmacologic supplements that like antidepressants. There are hormone supplements. So we try to choose the best thing for each individual. Again, Bonafide mm-hmm. makes a, a herbal supplement called Relizin made from a Swedish flower pollen that is not hormonal. And many of my patients choose to start with a more natural uh, type of regimen um, before they move on to something more aggressive. So that's a pretty common question in the menopause realm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Cause yeah, I get those same questions all the time and, and I'm, I'm all for learning about all of your options. Um, I think it's important for us to understand because we will, each of us, our individuals, we're going to experience these different phases of life, maybe a little differently. So there's not just a one size fits all approach that's going to help us. But again, with talking about how symptoms are our body's form of communication. It's important to understand that anything like any symptom, like a hot flash is telling us what's happening with our body. And then we can take that information and do with it as we will. And, you know, I always recommend that yes, lifestyle and nutrition changes are the first step. And then the next step would be to do like an herbal um, supplementation, which are extremely effective. I'm happy to know that Bonafide has a supplement like that. Mixers also has a supplement that we just released in December called Her Thrive. And it's amazing and very effective as well because it helps to, um, to mimic estrogen in the body and it helps to reduce hot flashes as well as other symptoms that are associated with menopause as well. Um, but then there is, you know, there's hormonal replacement therapy and there's different types of hormonal replacement therapy. We have, you know, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy as well as synthetic. So, so yeah, I mean, there's, we could have a whole conversation and episode just about this. Um, I will say that we have covered this topic quite a bit on this podcast. Yeah. And so I recommend go back and listen. Um, and Alyssa, or Dr. Dweck, I, I should call you Dr. Dweck. Um, you can call me whatever you like. <laughs> well, Dr. Alyssa Dweck, you have a podcast, don't you? Yes, I have a podcast that I co-host with a business colleague of mine uh, called Business of the V. And similarly, we're addressing unmet needs in the gynecologic world. And many of the companies, startups, entrepreneurs, healthcare providers that are helping to solve some of these uh, unmet needs. So yes, we're all about education. Yes. So this is going to be another amazing resource for you girls to go and guys, I guess, to go and, and, and explore. So I'm definitely going to put all of the links in our show notes on how you can connect to this podcast, as well as all other ways you can talk with or connect with um, Dr. Alyssa Dweck. So, all right. Um, Anything else? Do you want to share anything else that comes to mind? No, I I would say, because there's so much that I I was loving to talk about, but a second um, complaint that a lot of people come in with in my practice is vaginal dryness and uh, uncomfortable sex. So not to go into any detail, but please don't suffer in silence. Get in touch with your healthcare provider, your gynecologist to uh, assist with this because there's so many uh, great, uh, great ways to, to manage that. I love that you brought that up. It's so true. And I think that that's something, again, one of those things that women don't know about and they just kind of live with it and and they think sex is unenjoyable because it's uncomfortable, but there is a lot that we can do. And kind of like we've mentioned before, there's a lot of nutritional therapy types of and lifestyle strategies you can do. There's some really great lubricants that are out there that aren't yes. going to mess with your um, pH balance and your vagina. Um, there's a lot of things that can be done. And so have these conversations, girls. Um, have the conversations with the girls in your life, but get the get the answers from people that really know what they're talking about, like Dr. Alyssa Dweck. So I hope that everyone enjoyed this conversation as much 
much as I did. This was really fun. You did such a great job. I appreciate you coming on. It's been my pleasure. And I love these questions, especially since I didn't know them beforehand. So they're terrific. I know you did really good. I really put you on the spot there because I I finally got these questions in just literally last night. And I didn't have time to even prep you with any of this, but I just knew you could handle this. Even better. You are, yeah, you're such an expert. So we appreciate that. Well, girls, you need to share this episode with all the girls in your life because sharing is caring. And the more we can talk about these types of topics, the better we're going to be able to be our own best health advocates. And when we feel our best, we can show up in the world as our best selves and do the most good. So we want to make sure that we can continue having amazing guests like Alyssa Dweck on like this. So please, the more you share this episode, when you leave ratings and reviews, when you give us a thumbs up, when you subscribe, um, all of these things help us to grow our audience and help us to be more more searchable, more findable for women like you. So we really appreciate the support that all of you give us. And we love reading the comments and the reviews. It tells us so much about what you care to learn about. And it tells us so much about what you are enjoying about the podcast. And it motivates us to get on every single week. We drop episodes every single Tuesday and it's our pleasure. I love getting on here and and having interviews like this, but also doing deep dives with you. Um, This is something that is really fun and I feel like important to do. So, all right. With that being said, Alyssa, how can our audience connect with you? Fantastic and to be on the show. And thank you. Uh, best way is to go through the website, hellobonafide.com. And uh, there'll be a link to my bio and, uh, uh, of course, information that's educational, information about the supplements we spoke about. I love it. All right. Everybody's going to go straight to the show notes, I'm sure, and go and learn all more, all the things that you have to offer. Um, all right. Well, girls, until next time, I hope you have a very happy and healthy week. It's been a great conversation. We'll look forward to the next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.